Hi, welcome to Diving Into Deep Waters. I am your host, Erin Rowling, and I am super excited for this podcast. I'm ex- I'm, yeah, I'm just excited. <laughs> um, if you hear a little squeakity squawk in the background, it is my son practicing his um, plethora of instruments he needs to practice, and this mama needs to get this podcast in this week. And so it is what it is, people. I'm a mom. I've got kids. We've got stuff going on. So that's that's life, right? We just do the best we can. Um so I just want to say, uh, so Sunday, I'm in the bathroom again, and that person jiggled, jangling my door with so much force, and I got hot, people. I got hot, because I was like, I just talked about this on my podcast. I am so annoyed, and so I just lost the Holy Spirit for a second, and I... <laughs> had all the intention, I'm going to open that door and I'm going to say to this person, you need to listen to my podcast about bathroom etiquette and how you should be checking the door to see if someone's in there. And so all these things going through my mind, I open that door and it's a five-year-old little boy (laughs) outside the door. (laughs) I got the Holy Spirit back and I didn't say a word. I just kind of smiled at him and I just walked on. And did my my merry little self. So the Lord has a way of humbling us when we lose the Holy Spirit there for a moment. And that's what happened to me in that moment. I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm a little feisty uh, today, which I feel like I need to be a little feisty for uh, the podcast topic. But I'm a little feisty because, and I guess just even just feeling like, you know, just protective, I guess, maybe, but so I had done a, a podcast about my my friend that had passed away, and so his wife, um, who's my friend, she was telling me today about some things that people are saying to her after losing her husband, and it's only been a month. He has only been gone for a month. And people got things to say about how she should be grieving or how she shouldn't be grieving, you know, because she has Jesus. And while that is true that we do have Jesus, let me say this. I'm feisty, people. If you have not lost a spouse, then keep your mouth shut. Like, or just in general with people losing people in their life, you Listen, you don't know what that person is going through. And there are no rules for when someone is grieving. I get so irritated when I listen to these crime podcasts. And, uh, you know, they're like, well, this mother didn't grieve like she should have. So, of course, she's the one who killed her child. Or this wife did not grieve over her husband. So, of course, she killed him. And I'm like, how do you know that? Like, everyone grieves differently. And anybody that I've talked to or been close to that has lost someone, it's every single one of them. It's a different process and they go through different things. And I just feel like, listen, I know people have right intentions. I am giving the benefit of the doubt here. And that's what I told her. And she knows that. But let me just say this. She was way more gracious about it than I was because and that I am in my spirit maybe I don't 
maybe I'm losing the Holy Spirit right now, people. <laughs> but listen, I understand we don't always know what to say. I've been with so many people that have lost loved ones. And often, I do not know what to say. That's that's a very real feeling and a very true statement. So if you don't know what to say, it's kind of like, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Well, it's kind of the, applies here. If you don't know what to say, listen, give a hug. Give a card with some money. They could probably use it. Um, make them a meal. Uh, take your lawnmower over there. Mow their lawn. Like if you don't know what to do or you don't know what to say, find something that just shows them that you care. That is enough. Or share your favorite memory or whatever, but don't say stupid things. <laughs> You're all like, man, is she feisty. I'm very productive too. So uh, yeah, I just think it's something we need to work on. Have I said stupid things? I even said to her, I'm like, I'm sure I've said stupid things, but you can just tell me, hey, that's stupid. Don't say that. <laughs> and I will receive it. <laughs> so it's just, listen, when pe- people are grieving, like when we say stupid things, it can really affect them. And thankfully, my friend is like grounded in the Lord and kept the Holy Spirit about herself, even when I may not have. And she, you know, replies graciously, but it's something that I'm just putting out there. We we need to work on that and just be loving and just show away, you know, through a meal, through whatever it can be to just say, hey, you know, thinking about you, we love you, we're here for you. Simple, just simple. Anyways, like I said, I probably need to be a little feisty for the topic today. Wonder Woman. All right. Um, Now, when I say Wonder Woman, you may be thinking of Gal Gadot. I don't even know if I'm saying her name right. But, um, and I'm going to be honest, I am not a superhero fan. I am not probably equipped to talk about Wonder Woman because... I just don't really get into fantasy characters like that. and um, But I'm going to be honest. I remember when that movie came out and I had been hearing it was good and I was like, oh, good kind of superhero movie beat. Please don't stop listening because I don't like superheroes and you love them because everyone is into different things. But we were on a 15-hour flight to Africa and I saw like that you can watch movies on the plane I saw the Wonder Woman thing and I was like why not because I'm on this plane forever and so I did watch it and I will say it was a really good movie I was very surprised and then after that I was always telling people did you see Wonder Woman you need to see it even if you don't like superheroes you've got to watch it so very good movie um it But then, uh, so yeah, she won me over in that movie. But if you go back a little farther, I think the original Wonder Woman was um, in the 1970s, Linda Carter. I did not see the original Wonder Woman. um, So I really have no comment on it. (laughs) But, um, But even before these movies, you know, which you're like, okay, so that was the Wonder Woman. There were Wonder Women before those Wonder Women, and they are the Wonder Woman of the Bible, people. 
Um, now, they might not have lassos or invisible jets, but they got something even better. They have supersized faith and the ability to make some bold moves. I think some of these women were kind of feisty, if you ask me. Um, and just like I was kind of won over by and inspired, honestly, by Gal Gadot, um, I think as we dive into these women, I think we'll find ourselves inspired by them. Now, I know I got guys listening to this podcast, and let me just talk to you dudes for just a second, okay? Because I just want to say this. Before you check out, before you push stop, or if you started listening, hopefully you'll even listen because you might be like, Wonder Woman, what does that got for me? Let me just say one thing. Impact is not gender specific. Did you hear me? Impact is not gender specific. Impact is impact. And if a guy cannot learn something from a woman, then you need to remove the 49 women God thought it was important to include in his word. Just saying. Um, And listen, as a woman, I'm not more inspired by women because I'm a woman. I am inspired by men and women. I talk about men and women on this podcast that I think we can learn from because the bottom line is impact is impact. So if you're a guy, please don't stop this because there's something in here for you too. And I believe that their lives can impact you no matter who you are. Um... So let's get started with the Wonder Woman of the Bible. So I thought it was very fitting to start with the first woman ever created, and her name was Eve. Um, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I don't really think of her as a Wonder Woman, like before I was doing this podcast. But after I was reading different articles and, you know, doing some research I kind of saw something about her that I've never seen before because Eve, obviously, I think she gets a bad rap and she kind of gets blamed for eating the fruit from the forbidden tree. She wasn't the only one who did. Her husband also ate the fruit, just saying. Um, But, and, and also, I thought of this too. This kind of struck me. I thought, okay, Eve made a mistake right and then it was written about and like a gazillion people have read about her mistake and like you know generations after generations know about her mistake and I was thinking I really wouldn't want my mistake to be written for everybody in the entire planet and for generations to come to be able to read about so first of all I kind of feel sorry for her But um, I want to look at Genesis 2.18 because it says, The Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So God sees Adam isn't doing so hot on his own um, and being alone. So he makes a helper. Now, helper, that word, like, We're going to do some diving into that word because the original Hebrew word translated for helper 
is Ezer. Don't even know if I'm saying that right. I tried to look up the pronunciation and I couldn't find it. So it's E-Z-E-R. And so however you want to say that in your mind, you go for it. But I'm going to say Ezer. Ezer, Ezer, whatever comes out, that's actually what I'm going to do. Um, but so I think a lot of times when we think of helper, like he was Adam's helper. It's like she's the, you know, purse. She's that means she's the person doing the laundry and, you know, making all of, all of Adam's meals. And, you know, like that's kind of doing the cleaning. She's the helper. Well, it's way deeper than that, actually. Um, Ezer is only used 21 times um, in the Hebrew portion of the Bible. It's twice as describing a woman, three times as describing help in battle, and the remaining 16 times is to describe God's help to humanity, that he comes alongside us in our helplessness. So, never is easier used to refer to one as inferior, but always as a superior or an equal. Because when referred to God, it is a superior. But in all other references, it's an equal. The word help, parentheses around the word help, expresses that a woman is a strength. Like I said, the Lord was like looking at Adam and going, okay, this guy needs, he needs a helper. He needs somebody. Like Eve was not an afterthought. In Genesis 2.18, I just said it. You know, the man's condition was not good. So what did God, what does God do? He makes Eve to be his partner. Ezer, the helper, is an empowering and powerful description of how Eve reflected the very nature of God himself. Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Now, last podcast, we talked about that verse. And here it is again to remind us that being a helper is not a demeaning word, but it should empower us that we are a reflection of God and created to be a partner. I don't know about you, but I have a newfound respect for Eve and what her being created means for us. I don't know. It just, I didn't know that. (laughs) So maybe you did, but I definitely learned something and I totally am like, okay, Wonder Woman, Eve is a Wonder Woman. And it also, I think, empowers us as women to realize like what the intention of the Lord was when he created Eve and what that word means. I think that's what I love about like learning things is this like so many things that even in my life I've been taught it's like okay I have not learned that right or always kind of helper was like a kind of demeaning word when really it has there's nothing demeaning about it at all so anyways I just thought that was super awesome to learn all right So they say behind every man is a great woman. Well, I do think that that statement applies quite well when you look at the life of Moses. Because there are some wonder women in his story. 
First of all, I want to start off with Shifreth and Pua. Can you imagine? Maybe it's not even, maybe it's not um, pronounced Pua. I just keep thinking, who who wants to be called Pua? It's like Pua. It's P-U-A-H. I don't know. But anyways, maybe you don't know these women's names. But in a second, you're you're going to know who I'm talking about. So here's the scene. I'll set the scene. The scene is God's people living in slavery to the Egyptians. And you have Pharaoh, who's instructed Shifra and Pua, two Hebrew midwives. Now you're probably like, ah, yes. Okay. To kill any male Hebrews that were born. And it says in Exodus 1.17, it says, The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do, and they let the boys live. Well, of course, Pharaoh knows that these boys aren't getting killed, so he calls them to explain themselves. And which, I don't know, if I was them, I'd be freaking out like, we're supposed to be killing these kids and we're not, and now Pharaoh wants us to come meet with him. But these two women, they come up with a wise answer and they say, well, these women, they give birth so quickly and we can't get there in time. So we can't kill them because, you know, we're not even on the scene. And if you look at these two women, these two women prevented a genocide. Like they saved a nation and they are wonder women because they feared God and they did the right thing. I don't know. Pretty awesome. So so that's before Moses is born. Now we're moving into Moses' mama. And I I saw this uh, article that's talking about, you know, the writer said, I wonder if um, Moses' mom was inspired by the midwife's bravery. Be- and it maybe it helped her to be brave because obviously she was brave. But I wonder if she... I would assume they knew her their their story. I'm assuming the moms knew that these two women were had feared God and they were going to do what's right and they weren't killing these babies. I'm sure that word got around. So I wondered if it helped her. And her name was Jacobed. And she gave birth to Moses. And she was able to hide him for three months. But um, Pharaoh came out with a new decree because... The midwives didn't follow his plan. And so he was like, all the boys have to be thrown into the Nile. Like, I'm going to get rid of them one way or not. And so it obviously came to a point where she was like, I can't hide this baby any longer. And I cannot imagine the fear that those mamas felt of their sons being killed because girls were fine. It was just the boys. Um, And yet, instead of being paralyzed by fear which I wonder if that's how I would be she goes into action she gets a basket she coats it with tar and pitch she puts Moses in it and she puts it in the water in the Nile crocodiles people in the reeds and she is like I'm gonna save my son's life and she has Moses's sister Miriam look after him and keep a watchful eye on him this This one was not about to let her son get killed. And to me, she is a Wonder Woman because she recognized his life was in danger. But she didn't let that paralyze her. Nope. She sprang into action. She did not allow fear to overtake her. And she was like, 
I got to do, this mama's got to do what this mama's got to do. And she did what she needed to do. And also, I'm going to give her credit for raising a very smart little girl, Miriam. Because Miriam, who has to watch her brother in the reeds, which, think about that. That is quite a responsibility. I know, I know our daughter Liz told us, I don't know, a few years back. She's like, do you remember when... Um, you guys had helped start a church and, you know, you guys would have to set up all the stuff because we rented a school and we'd have to tear it all down and we would put her in charge of our son, Joe. And we'd be like, hey, Liz, can you watch Joe? And to me, it didn't seem that big of a deal, but she was like, I was so worried all the time. It stressed me out all the time. I thought for sure I was going to lose him. Like it really affected her. We had no idea it affected her in that level, but she was like stressed out watching him. Well, I can't even imagine what Miriam must have felt like stressed out watching her baby brother in a basket and making sure nobody, no animal gets him or nobody's going to kill him. I mean, talk about stress. And, you know, she's quick on her feet and she makes sure that, you know, when the um, princess finds him, she has She's quick-minded to say, hey, I know someone who can nurse this baby. So she's just a smart little girl. And I think it's, if you look to where God takes Miriam, I think that back then when she was a little girl watching her brother, God was preparing her then from a very young age to be used in Moses' life and in God's people's life. Because not only did she have that whole scenario, um, but she ends up accompanying Moses and the Israelites out of Egypt. In Exodus 15, she's the first female in scripture identified as a prophetess. Now, a prophetess is someone who hears and speaks for God. Now, maybe nowadays you're like, okay, there's people that hear from God and they have a word from the Lord. But let's go back to that time with the Israelites where the Israelites didn't even want to be by God. They were so afraid of him to hear his voice. And so God sets it up where he's, you know, in the temple and like a priest goes in to hear the word of the Lord, you know, all and Moses hears the word of the Lord and he delivers the message. But if you look through scripture at that time, Miriam is in God's presence where other Israelites couldn't be, yet she is. Now, one time it's because she's getting in trouble. <laughs> she was not perfect, let me tell you. But who is? Who is perfect, right? You know, she got in a little bit of trouble and the Lord speaks to her. Her, her in it. And she gets leprosy. Not fun. But she, you know, repents. She gets cleaned up. She's fine, people. She's fine. But um, she's also, you know... Um, writes the first worship song. She leads the people into worship. Um, 700 years later, the prophet Micah identifies her alongside with her brothers as a blessing sent from God to his people. In Micah 6.4, it says, I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. Hmm. So Miriam, a wonder woman despite her flaws, was used to lead God's people in a profound way.
Moses is called the deliverer. Well, Moses kind of ended up needing a deliverer himself. And you would not need to look very far to find who his deliverer was because it was his wife, Sephora. Now, Moses meets and marries her when he's running from his destiny. He's out in the wilderness being a shepherd. He works for um, Sephora's um, father. And finally, you know, the burning bush, he's going to walk into his calling. He's going to deliver the Israelites. The only problem is Moses is so focused on the Israelite thing going on, which there's a lot going on there. You know, he's dealing with Pharaoh and plagues and all this stuff that he forgets to take care of things in his household and he fails to properly circumcise his son. Now, in the Old Testament, circumcision was a big deal. It set the Israelites apart from the other people. God's people were the Israelites. It set them apart from the people that were not God's people. It was a sign of commitment between God and his people. So it was important. And Moses failed to do it. So one of the times when Moses is going to deliver the message, being used God by God greatly um, to deliver the message to Pharaoh, like, hey, this is what's going to happen. Your son's going to die. Like, that's a big message. But as he's traveling home in Exodus 4.24, it says, at a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. Verse 25, but Sephora took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it. Zephora acts quickly and circumcises their son and saves Moses from divine wrath. Um, can you imagine how Exodus would have turned out if the Lord would have ki- killed Moses? Like, if Zephora hadn't sprung into action and the Lord would have killed him, like, what would have happened? I don't know. I really couldn't tell you. But <laughs> it could have been a different story, you guys. Sephora, definitely a Wonder Woman who acts quickly, must have had a stomach of steel, I'm thinking, because I don't know how you chop off your son's foreskin and you are good with that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'd probably cut the wrong thing. Anyways, we're not going to go there, but she saves her husband from God smiting him down and killing him. And we, listen, we, we have gotten to Exodus, the second book of the Bible. We've only made it to Exodus and these great women. Um, and obviously we can't hit all 49 women of the Bible, but let's hit a few more of these Wonder Woman. Now these next two um, I heard it said that there are a one, two female punch, and that will make sense in a minute. Um, so we're going to kind of skip over to the book of Judges. Now, again, setting the scene, before Israel had a king, they had judges. Now, they weren't judges like our judges today where they're like, order in the court and have a gavel. And these judges help settle disputes, which obviously our judges do too. Um, They led military campaigns, and they were sometimes used as prophets. So this is where we find our next Wonder Woman. Her name was Deborah. Love her. Um, She is the only woman to ever serve as a judge in the Bible. So 
She was something, people. Um, But here's the backdrop of her story. So Israel was under the control of an enemy kingdom, and God had called a man named Barak, or Barack, not Barack Obama, uh, (laughs) to lead the armies of Israel to victory and freedom. But we'll say Barack. That's what we're going to go with, you guys. I, me and names. But Brack was a scaredy cat. So Deborah calls him to relay a message to him from the Lord. It's found in Judges 4, verse 6. And she's like, The Lord commands you to fight this battle. Like, she had a word. She's being used as, as a prophetess. Like, the Lord is commanding you. This guy is still a scaredy cat, even after she gives him this message. But he agrees to go into battle as long as she goes with him. If she will go with him, he will go into battle. And so she does. Um, See, like a warrior woman. What a woman. Um, They get the victory. But, so the enemy's general, Sisera, flees the battlefield like he's getting out of there because you know they're not gonna win he's in trouble and he he finds this woman's tent and he takes refuge in her tent he picked the wrong tent people the wrong one so this is where our second wonder woman comes into the scene and her name is jl and so he asked jl if if, you know, she can be, he's tired, obviously, he's been in war, you know, like, can I have some water, your milk, or I don't remember what it was, but I just read it too, <laughs> I can't remember. He asked for something to drink, and he's tired, so he's gonna rest, and he's like, basically, like, can you look out for me, because, you know, I want to make sure no one's gonna hurt me while I'm in here. Yeah, not a good judge of character, this guy, because uh, he falls asleep, And she takes a tent peg and hammers it into his temple. And so he's dead. Um, So Barak comes looking for him because, you know, you got to chase down the general. You got to get the main person. And she's like, oh, you're looking for Sisera? Come right here. He's here and he's dead. Now, (laughs) I mean, can you say a Wonder Woman tag team between... Deborah and JL, like, what a team. They, like, win this whole battle, just these two women. And it's interesting because when Barak asked Deborah to go into war with him, she says, basically, okay, in my own words, this is what my husband always says. He's like, in my own words. So this is in Aaron's words. You're a scaredy cat. The victory will not be yours. It belongs to a woman. And sure enough, it does belong to a woman. Well, kind of two women, Deborah and JL. Isn't that crazy? Like, she even tells him, like, you're not even going to get credit for this. A woman is going to get credit for this. That's so awesome. <laughs> Anyways, see why I said I got to be a little feisty? Because this is some feisty women. I want to end with this last one. Um, mainly because I think we often see her in one light and, um, or maybe it's just me, but again, learning things. And so, um, I want to talk about Mary and we often think of Mary 
as the one who got it. Um, Mary is the Martha. Mary is the Martha. Mary is the sister of Martha. Um, if you know the story of Mary and Martha, you've got Martha being the little busy bee, you know, humming around. I am so a Martha, but I want to be a Mary. Um, did a whole podcast on that too. But anyways, Mary chooses what is better and she sits at the feet of Jesus and she gets commended from it from Jesus like she has chosen the better thing. Now, that's great, but I want to attribute to her being a Wonder Woman for another reason. So, the scene again. So, Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus get sick. And the sisters send for Jesus because he's a good friend of Jesus. Jesus and Lazarus are tight. And they know that Jesus can heal people. And so their brother is sick. They need Jesus. They need him to arrive. They need him to come and heal their brother. Well, Lazarus dies before Jesus gets there. And they are devastated. Obviously, they've lost their brother. Finally, Jesus comes. And when Mary gets to see him, this is what she says in John eleven twenty one. She says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Mary is so honest with her feelings. She does not hold back just because it's Jesus, but she just pours out the grief of her heart. Lord, if you would have been here he would not have died. Now, this is no major act. This is no tent spike. It's nothing but simple honesty. And it's it moves the heart of Jesus. And he himself weeps over the loss of his friends. Mary was a wonder woman, I feel like, because she was willing to be honest. Wonder Women are not just for the Bible, for comic books, or for the big screen. Wonder Women don't need fancy outfits and shields and cool accessories, flowing hair and perfect makeup. It's not mandatory, which thank goodness because most of us don't look like that anyways. (laughs) But Wonder Women are women simply willing to be used to be used like Eve and be an easer, a helper, a partner in the most empowering sense, like Shifra and Pura that feared the Lord and were able to do the right thing, like Miriam who was not perfect but was a leader to the Israelites, like Sephora who acted quickly, changing the course of history, like Deborah, a woman willing to deliver God's word and to see it through, tag-teaming with Jael, who seizes the opportunity to end wickedness, and Mary, who is willing to be honest with her Lord. I hope you felt inspired to be a woman of wonder, or a wonder woman, (laughs) that we were all created to be. And if you're a guy listening, you're like, well, that doesn't apply to me. I hope you were impacted to value the Wonder Woman in your life. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I sure enjoyed learning and 
talking to you about it. I had so much fun on this one. I, I have fun on all of them, but some of them are a little deeper and emotional. But I just felt like I learned so much, and I hope that you did too. And now go watch the um, Wonder Woman movie because it's really good. Bye.